Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Bread in the Wilderness podcast, St. Mark's Cathedral here in Salt Lake City. This is another episode of uh, Eat This Book. I'm Tyler. I'm Holly. And uh, this is where we pray through the scriptures appointed for the coming Sunday uh, in the style of Lexio Divina, teasing out words, phrases, and images to ponder in our hearts with Mary to see... Uh, to see what we can see uh, and learn a little bit more about who and how this God of ours is and who God is calling us to be as uh, God's people, uh, God's hands and feet in the world. So uh, we'll begin with the Collect for Holy Scriptures and then I'll pray the Collect uh, appointed for proper 14 year A. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We who cannot exist without you Pretty good. Yeah. Put a little more starkly than we usually say it. But yeah, that's true. We cannot exist without God. In a moment by moment way, um, not just a creation as a fixed point in history. Mm hmm. Yeah, the creator and sustainer. Mm hmm. The one who holds our souls in life. Enables us to live, as it says here. Yeah, and that's it's interesting that um, like one of the ways that you you can kind of get to know that from the inside out is like through prayer, right? Where You're sitting there quietly, silently, uh, not doing anything, and yet everything's happening. Hmm? The, the presence is there doing itself, your thoughts thinking itself, your heart's beating, the birds are chirping. Your breath is breathing itself. Um, and you're not doing any of it yeah. um, through an, an act of will, right? And so that, that kind of... Uh, perception of the sort of presence, presencing or something. Mm -hmm. um, when that's the baseline from which we think and act, um, rightness uh, follows. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily like do those things that are right, like you've got 
this check, like the columns on the left, mm -hmm. this is the bad choice, this is the right choice. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what it's pointing Do the things at. on the right. No, yeah. yeah. The thing that's, the, the rightness that's being pointed at, I think, is the result of the recognition, the deep yeah. experiential recognition that we cannot exist without God, that we find mm -hmm. our being in God. God's life living itself through us. Yeah. Is the life, those things that are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is rightness, that is what righteousness actually means. Right. Not a checklist, discrete, our action, I don't know, checking off of commandments or something. Right, yeah. I think it's, the rightness is like living in accordance with God's will, which is discovering our being in God's being and mm -hmm. the natural responsiveness that flows from that. Mm -hmm. um, but we often, especially like in sort of, sort of American, what evangelical mm -hmm. culture, tend to hear and do those things that are right. We we turn that into some moral judgment about who's going to sleep with who and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. You know, whether you can smoke and drink and dance or not. Right. Face know. cards? Yes, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and what's being pointed at here is, just, is, is waking up really to the one body of Christ, of which we are members, and acting from that place of what? Like unified, whole. Belonging? With belonging, with mm -hmm. where the. The stranger is no longer a stranger, but kith and kin to us, that yeah. kind of thing. It's in stark contrast to the obituary I just read, which was the, the, the family values that this man espoused were independence and self-reliance. Ouch. And, I mean, lovely man in some ways, but that's a terrif... I find that terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be self-reliant in the way that I think they mean self-reliant. Existing only by my wit and my guile. Yeah. Uh, and your ability to do arithmetic in your head, yes. as this man could. Are you good with that? Anything else? Oh, I, I'm... I'm still thinking about righteousness. I, I like that word quite a lot, but it needs some recovery. A lot of people don't like that. A lot word. of people don't. There's a lot of baggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think what we're talking about, that that's what that actually means. Um, the rightness that is just letting God's life spring up in us, flow through us. Uh, Why do you call not, me good? Only my fa Father yeah. in heaven is good. Yeah. That's why Luther, you know, not an unproblematic character in some ways, but mm -hmm. um, he would always talk about imputed righteousness. Mm -hmm. Righteousness is imputed to us, um, i.e. it's not an act of self-improvement or by force of will mm -hmm. that we become righteous. It's actually by faith through grace yeah. that we receive, like little children, 
the righteousness of God that then works mm -hmm. its righteousness in and through us. Mm -hmm. The wedding garment is given to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. he would even talk about it as, you know, snow covering a dung pile. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> it's Martin Luther and that's yes. a gift for the scatological. Yes. Um, which I much admire. But, um, but that's, it's all just to say it's not you doing it. Yeah. It's the very opposite of self-reliance and independence. Yeah. And you get glimpses of God's righteousness when you see like pictures of the Hubble telescope looking into deep space, right? When you see mm -hmm. this insane nebula or stars collapsing or the sun mm -hmm. coming up over the mountains or like there's an, like mm -hmm. beauty is a wonderful pointer to the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. like, like we should be talking more about beauty mm -hmm. and righteousness. Oh my God. Not yeah. just like, moralistic censuring of people we think aren't doing it right that's yeah like, like that's not what righteousness is it, there's this it's a pointing to the goodness truth and beauty of life yeah which is god yeah right did you read that elaine scary book on beauty uh she talks about um beauty and justice and the overlap of these two um, huh. beauty as a way into ethics and um, she talks about that the concept of fairness mm -hmm. uh, which we think we yeah. think about ethics and uh, justice what's fair what's even what's equality fairness but also fairness something is fair a person is fair when they're yeah. beautiful yeah. and there's yeah these are kind of different angles on to converging on mm -hmm. the same thing that's the heart of um, Hans Urs von Balthasar's theology, is that it's a, it's, it's, it's a theology of beauty. Mm. Uh, and that, like, that's sort of who I channel when I say we gaze upon the fairness of the beautiful one, mm -hmm. Jesus, uh, so that we may, might, be made be might be made beautiful by the, the mm -hmm. beauty of Christ. Right? Mm -hmm. and, Beautiful, not in terms of Instagram right. sort of uh, measures, but beautiful in the way that a bald-headed, pointy-nosed uh, Canadian could be beautiful mm -hmm. when that life is touched by grace, transfigured. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and the Philokalia, like say a thousand times, but the, all that wonderful anthology of teachings on, on the Jesus prayer from the Eastern Church going back to the earliest patristic uh, witnesses the philokalia is, is translated as the love of beauty mm -hmm. that prayer this text on prayer that's like very very practical like here's how you sit here's how you breathe here's what you do with distracting thoughts right mm -hmm. very very practical uh, it is designed to uh, elicit and connect us to uh, the beauty of the beautiful one. And the problem with Instagram is it's always self-styled beauty, right? It's like butt tucks and... You know, well, it's beauty available for purchase. Yeah. Very literally. That we yeah. 
uh, wreak ourselves yeah. in the gym or under plastic surgery or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Not the beauty that comes from God shining through us just as we are, short, fat, mm-hmm. thin, tall, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, that's the beauty. The yeah. true beauty yeah. has nothing to do with the stuff we see on the internet. Right. Justice with our neighbors is beautiful. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. But yeah, both Bart and Von Baltus are huge Mozart fans, right? <laughs> and, I didn't know Bart was. Yeah, part, part of the reason uh, is because they, beauty has such a central place in both of their theologies. You know, as sort of opposite as they are in terms of tradition, mm-hmm. they really share that. Uh, that, that beauty is a, is a window into the, the goodness, righteousness, nature. It feels especially, it's not the only window, but it feels like an especially important window for our time uh, when we do get so stuck in our heads. Um, truth, obviously, window into God. Uh, and, but I think as modern people, we just get so confused in the pursuit of truth, um, only in discursive reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of us, Beauty is a really important corrective, uh, or just an alternate way to sort of like sidestep that uh, intellectual tangle for a little bit, not forever, right. uh, but actually experience God aesthetically, um, sacramentally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In each other, in the world, in ourselves. Yeah. In worship. Yeah. And even the way, so that's like a very sort of Aquinas, Aristotle, truth, goodness, beauty. Yes. Right? Um, But people have played with that order uh, and actually said, I think it's actually more like beauty, goodness, and truth. That we first, we perceive, we have our breath taken away Mm -hmm. by the, the goodness and the and the beauty of the Lord, creation, yeah. other people, justice being done, mm-hmm. right? The beauty of that. Yeah. The good. Then we know we taste the goodness, and you like, and it's you're naturally like, I want to do that more often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I want to see like that, or I want to act like that more yeah. often because it just feels right. You're mm-hmm. going with the grain of the universe, and then the truth, the explanation. Sure. At the end. Like, after. So there's the concept afterwards, but it, yeah. it's almost, it, that order, I think, might actually capture more accurately the sort of phenomenological experience of God. Yeah. Is that first there's this breathtaking, drawn up, short <gasps> mm-hmm. perception and this recognition that that is good, that there's mm-hmm. an inherent goodness to that. And then comes the explanation of how that Mm -hmm. played itself out in human concepts and words and ideas. Mm -hmm. 
his book, The Beauty of the Infinite, David Bentley Hart. Mm-hmm. You know that? Yeah. So it's all about that. It's all about mm. putting beauty at the center. Mm. Mm. You good? Mm-hmm. So this is from First Kings. Goodness, you have this some good stuff going on here. No. All right. First Kings 19, uh, 9 to 18. At Horeb, the mount of God, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting the mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And after the Lord, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazazel, Hazael as king over Aram. You also, also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Saphet, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jeshu shall kill, and whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sorry, somebody's knocking on the door in the middle of my reading there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've preached this passage where it just ended at go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Mm-hmm. That was a little simpler. <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elijah is a very strange prophet. The Carmelites love Elijah. Confusingly, we have. Well, Horeb actually is where the first Carmelite hermits and monasteries started, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think? Very zealous for the Lord. Zealous for the Lord, and also the sound of sheer silence. Yep. I think is the why he's the sort of founder, so mm-hmm. to speak. 
wait in the cave for the Lord to pass by. Mm -hmm. Not in great drama. Not the whirlwind, not the earthquake, not the fire. All of the classic, especially Moses' theophany signs. Mm -hmm. uh, so the this, sound of sheer silence. This call to sort of perceive or meet God in the midst of the ordinary and the everyday. Mm -hmm. um, also this like interesting thing about the, <clears throat> the Lord passing by. Mm -hmm. You'll this sort of same phrase is used for Jesus, beginning of John's gospel, oh, yeah. uh, and multiple times, but the passing byness of the Lord. Yeah, it's also key for Moses, right? And the Lord is going to pass by. He sees the backside of God. Right. Yeah. Um, so this, these are all indicators that God's not an object mm. or a noun. God is a verb, and this is and this is the problem with starting with truth, mm -hmm. not beauty because mm -hmm. concepts are static and fixed um, we, we, we turn into substantives mm -hmm. uh, things that are not substantives mm -hmm. like a tree is not a noun right a tree is a living breathing mm -hmm. communicating secret mm -hmm. life of trees read the book mm -hmm. kind of it's a process, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's not actually like a thing. Um, yeah. And so the passing byness is this um, easily passed over uh, reminder that God's not a fixed object, mm -hmm. right? Um, that as sustainer of our being, like we have to encounter it in the passing byness of our very life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in contingency. Right. I like that Elijah hears the sound of sheer silence. After the fire, there's a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, mm -hmm. he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So it's not, not just the absence of sound, right? There's uh, a presence. There's uh, Elijah senses that something is happening uh, the same way a whirlwind happens or an earthquake happens. Mm. What was Elijah doing before this, you remember? He's laying out in the desert, complaining, Lord, I'm going to die. <laughs> and... God says, okay, there, there, go, why don't you go take a nap, <laughs> lie under the shade of the broom tree. Mm -hmm. uh, and God sends a raven to feed him, mm -hmm. give him a snack, yeah. sort of, okay, there, there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so this is after that experience of provision, I mean, that, that's our bread in the wilderness, one of one of the namesakes. Um, also the, the widow of Zarephath. 
It's our vat. It's another example of that, right? The meal jar that can never be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yep, manna in the wilderness. Um, but Elijah still has the same complaints. It's hilarious. Here, it is. He and even the, after. He says the exact same thing. Yes. Before and after the encounter. Yep. Like, <laughs> what are you doing totally here? Totally unchanged? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So there's something kind of comical about that. Yeah. I alone am left. They're seeking my life to take it away. <laughs> Radical inbreaking. Sound of sheer silence. Experience of the Lord passing by. I alone am left. They're seeking my life to take it away. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it reminds me of the after the transfiguration, James and John, Peter, James, mm. and John. You know, they come down off the mountain, and it's the first thing they do is start arguing about who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand, who's going to sit mm-hmm. at his left. Like Who among us is the greatest? Yeah, it's this reminder that the conditioning yeah. that is a part of the human condition. Uh, even after radical inbreaking experiences of God is fully operative. And mm-hmm. then part of discipleship is to pay attention to the kinds of things that are running our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, like Elijah's story is like, you know, it sounds a little over dramatic, but like, so that's what we tell ourselves a lot. I alone am left. I'm the only one who can mm-hmm. do it. Everyone's I, against me. Yeah. I mean, that's a very, very common story, right? And Or like with the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder. It's like, well, where do I fit in the pecking order? Like, how, mm-hmm. do, I, how do I measure up? Mm-hmm. Like, even after this experience of, you know, radical grace, uh, yeah. those old stories still sort of operative. Mm-hmm. Like the... And so like a responsible program of Christian formation will, yeah, will open us to the uh, experience of God's loving presence, but then also remind us that we also we need to work with the, the conditioning, the stories that mm-hmm. come back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that th- those two things go hand in hand. So yeah, it'd be fun, yeah. fun to say, like, what's the, what are this, what are, what's the story that you tell yourself before the quiet day and after the quiet day, in between, like, you're bathed in light and love right. and all this, right? But, like, what's the story that you, brought, unchanged. you brought to the day and then you walk away from the day? And um, yeah. how, how can we examine that, look at that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. I don't know, that's kind of been my thing the last like three or four weeks I've been thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what you do with the rest of that. Yeah, we'll passage. see. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 85, is that right? Yes. Uh, responsibly by whole verse? Yes. Okay. These are verses 8 through 13. I will listen to what the Lord is saying, for he is speaking peace to his faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to him. 
Truly his salvation is very near to those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and peace shall be a pathway for his feet. Hey, my favorite word today. Righteousness? Apparently, yeah. Uh, we get the psalm in Advent. Um, earth and heaven joined uh, in the incarnation. Jesus, fully human and fully divine. Uh, showing us in a human life what it looks like for mercy and truth to meet together. Beautiful. Righteousness and peace to kiss each other. Beautifully. Beautifully. And like, I think a very different kind of prosperity being pointed at here in Mm. Verse 12, right? Yeah. I don't just, I don't think it just means you're going to drive a nice car and have a big house. Yeah. Win the Powerball. <laughs> yeah. I think the righteous, when righteousness and peace, mercy and truth have met together and kissed, then the prosperity that we uh, recognize is um, a prosperity that's uh, an abundance sort of uh, overflowing in the midst of the ordinary mm -hmm. things as they are in their in their quiddity as uh, Dun Scotus would call mm -hmm. it in their suchness and their thisness yeah, the couplet in the psalm, our land will yield its increase as the parallel to granting prosperity, points us to flourishing, mm -hmm. um, flowering of each person in love, in justice. Righteousness shall go before him. Peace shall be a pathway for his feet. Again, shows us that righteousness can't be achieved. It's not earned. It's not something we accomplish. It's, it's going before us, mm -hmm. making a way. We follow um, after mm -hmm. the one who is righteous. Yeah. The pathway that almost walks itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like... Um, yeah, drafting in NASCAR. <laughs> you watch a lot of NASCAR. I really you? do, yeah. But like, do you? No. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> but you know, when you're drafting in a car, like they, they get in the slipstream, yeah. right? And then it and then they can slingshot around the car in front of them because there's this there's this sort of wake that mm. sucks the mm -hmm. car. Like have you ever see a have you ever seen a cyclists driving behind Mm. Really close behind trucks, going oh. really fast. And is that why they're doing that? They're going because yeah. the the slipstream of the truck is pulling them along, mm. uh, and and but that's kind of what it is. Like the mm. we're 
in the wake or the slipstream mm-hmm. of Jesus, the, right, the yeah. righteousness of God. I always think of that, especially with the, the call stories in John on the beach mm-hmm. in the wake. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is passing by. He's looking over his shoulder. Yeah. At, you yeah. Know, what are you looking for? Yeah. And they're pulled along in that momentum. It's much more like that, right? Because following can seem like you have to keep up. It's mm. more like you're just being dragged, like, or not dragged, but like drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drawn. I will draw all, all to things myself. to myself. And yes, I will drag them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will save everyone I want to save, which is everyone. Yeah. 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 Um, but the yeah, the, the, the following, like you're saying, is pointing us to ease that Jesus is doing it and enabling us it's it's participation in rather yeah. than climbing a ladder to right or imitation of yes. someone will never measure up to yeah it's yeah. That. yeah okay so oh it's Romans 10 mm-hmm. 5 to 15 Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law that The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend in heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him to proclaim him, unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is where Luther gets his stuff about imputed righteousness, Mm -hmm. the righteousness that comes from faith. The word is near you, so it's in that sense already done, finished, accomplished. Mm -hmm. On your lips and in your heart, the word is in you. This is here on from Paul, apostle to the Gentiles, on the love of God for all people. Mm-hmm. No one who believes in him, no one, will be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Same Lord is Lord of all, generous to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the abundant love of God, without condition, um, not discriminating between 
ethnic groups, religious groups, uh, kinds of people. Sexual orientation, gender identity. Yep. God loves you, no exceptions, that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> Buy the t-shirt. <laughs> also, uh, you know, and I don't know, as sort of like Protestant mainline hmm. people, um, I guess, which is what the Episcopal Church is, obviously. Mm-hmm. A phrase like, uh, ah, yeah, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That everybody gets hives because they think that they've, you know, suddenly walked into some kind of like, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Which we say in the baptism. We account. really do. I know we do. If you uh, confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That 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 does make us nervous. It does. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting. Yeah. You know, like, what's that nervousness about? And I think the nervousness, mm-hmm. but at least part of it, is an inability to ask for help. Uh-huh. Uh, an inability to reach out to something greater than ourselves. Lord, save me. Mm-hmm. Like what the gospel will talk yes. about and what we were talking about in the colic like independence and self-reliance are so baked in to how we see and move through the world that mm-hmm. calling on somebody else mm-hmm. uh, other than and pl- placing our trust in something other than our own uh, wit and guile uh, goes against pretty much everything we've ever been taught Mm-hmm. in how to sort of navigate, you know, win friends and influence people. Yeah, it's pretty frightening <laughs> to us uh, to be so radically dependent on God. That's why, you know, when I was locked uh, locking up yesterday and the chairs were out for the narcotics anonymous mm-hmm. you know and the, but the first step is like I, I recognize that I'm powerless over my addiction and blah blah whatever it is mm-hmm. but there's a reason why that is like the beginning of the journey mm-hmm. right? it's because most of the time most of us think that we are pretty powerful and in control mm-hmm. right and um, the or at least that we should be or we should and we're be. failing to be yeah okay but yeah yeah sure yeah but the the uncontrollability of the world and our powerlessness over so much of what happens um, is kind of like the very last thing we want to hear or yeah. admit or allow or enter into yeah and and yet the Carmelites you know, on Mount Horeb, like that powerlessness, that surrendering of control mm-hmm. um, is the very heart of uh, prayer, discipleship, and service, mm-hmm. right? And apostolic witness. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Comes from littleness, mm-hmm. as Therese yeah. would say. Right. Yeah. Um, because in sheer silence like who are you where are you 
Seriously? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You got the story before, and you got the story afterwards, but in the middle, yeah. what's happening there? Like, you know, what's yeah. being done? And the Lord is very near you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How beautiful. Feet beautiful, right? Well, it's funny how, what you got, so you got mercy, truth, righteousness, peace, beauty. Yeah. very um, call to evangelism here too right yeah so not only is he saying like call upon the name of the Lord um, but then he's saying and once you have tasted the true Mm -hmm. freedom that is born of uh, powerlessness and surrender and the recognition of the uncontrollability once you've tasted that freedom of Christ, then get the heck out there sure. and embody for and, and speak up, witness to that there's another way to do this thing we call mm-hmm. being human, right? Mm-hmm. That is other than getting and spending. We're still tracing beauty and goodness and then truth. That's, yeah, the right. being sent out in witness. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's the function of <laughs> perceiving the truth of God is yeah. not to know anything, but to be able to call other people to know. Um, be made beautiful so yeah. that others might be attracted by the beauty of your mm-hmm. life, and, and and in that recognize the beauty of God. Yeah, yeah. Was it Thomas Merton who, when when Thich Nhat Hanh was in America in like 1966, they met. Um, and Merton said, I, I recognized that Thich Nhat Hanh was a true monk when I saw him open the door, the way he opened the door. <laughs> Not fussy and like precious, but just, he was just fully there. He put his hand along the door, gently opened it, gently closed it. And Merton was like, oh, there's a monk. <laughs> <laughs> It's like deep calls to deep. Like there's Uh something beautiful even about the simplest action of opening a door or drinking a a Mm -hmm. glass of water or, you know, that's one of the things that emerges like in a quiet day or on a longer retreat, right? Like the start of a quiet day, the walking is all ragged and there's big gaps in the line. People are looking around. Mm. Sometimes even people just can't even stay in line. They wander off and start pondering the stained glass, you know, doing their own thing, you know? talking about self-reliant independent uh but by the end of the day like somehow this natural rhythm has Mm -hmm. been found right Mm -hmm. and um sometimes even everybody's stepping with the same foot Mm -hmm. left Mm -hmm. not in a mechanical way but this like there's this this beautiful harmony that starts to manifest by Mm -hmm. the by the end of the day um I think that's the like sort of ordinary embodied kind of beauty. Yeah. Like somebody who can look at you when you're talking to them and listen to you, not tell you how you're supposed to be, you know, not tell you how your day was or just just be there, mm-hmm. alert, awake, attentive, receptive, 
curious. Hospitable. That's beautiful. It is. It is, and it's so rare. Yeah. People get paid good money to do that for yeah. a living. You know. <laughs> uh, but that, I think that's the kind of beauty we're called yeah. to, like. And it can be manifest right in the midst of just you know opening and closing a door, mm-hmm. or actually listening to the person we're with, mm-hmm. or seeing the person who we encounter on the street. I'm thinking of one of my college teachers who I dearly loved after class one day was entertaining a group of seven or eight of us sticking around trying to soak up some actual wisdom for mm-hmm. once in our lives. And I, I, was, I think I was TAing for him and he hadn't eaten all day and I knew that. And he, had like a, he was trying to eat fruit. He had a bunch of fruit in his office that was like kind of moldering and weird. But he like pulled out this clementine after class and was Peeling this clementine and just totally unselfconsciously passed a slice or two to everyone in the circle. It was like, it was so gorgeous. Yeah. Completely ordinary, but mm. so beautiful. Like Eucharistic. It absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I know it drives people insane, right? But like when people do, like, like in a mindfulness workshop, the raisin meditation where you take yeah. a raisin and you eat it. So slowly. So slowly make you drives you mad yes. but the point of it is to bring attention to those not the earthquakes not the fires but mm-hmm. the little nibbled raisin mm-hmm. or the three second encounter with uh, someone in, going the opposite way in the grocery store or you know mm-hmm. all the way up to the big things but we practice with the little stuff so that when the big stuff happens we're there we, mm-hmm. can, we can be there Okay. All right, so this is Yeah, he's walking by here. Yeah, so uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We have this icon at our house, right? Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. You've seen that big one at the end of the hall. 
There's so much, it's hard to pull out any one thing. Uh, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. It is I, I am. Jesus as sovereign, right? <laughs> Walking on the sea. Um, in the ocean, in biblical imagery is always the chaos, the deep, things we're afraid of, mm -hmm. death. Um, Uncontrollability. Mm -hmm. You should spin that out more though, because it's take heart in his eye. Like the, I think the Greek is like it's it's a reference to the ego in me, the I am, mm -hmm. the same I am that you get mm. like before Abraham was I am. Same mm. I am that you get at the burning bush. Mm -hmm. Like that's a... Yes, that's what I thought I said. <laughs> you know I know, but just like... Yes. To make yes. it more... The I am. The All caps, am. yes. Yeah, so like that that presencing beingness, that isness yeah. is... Uh, How we take heart. Burning in the midst of the waves. Yep. Like when the winds again, even when the wind is against us, yeah. the I amness is there and unaffected. That that yeah. presence is still available. Yeah, I mean, fear is in here. What five times? Mm -hmm. They're terrified. It's a ghost cried out in fear. Do not be afraid. Then Peter becomes frightened, noticing the wind. Beginning to sink, he cried out, "Lord, save me!" That's the whole thing, and the thing we so often cannot do, but... Calling on the name of the Lord. Uh-huh. Yeah. As Romans says, um, yeah, living in trust and dependence on God instead of self-reliant independence. Is that what it was? I got this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, Jesus says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? is same chapter as uh, the mustard seed mm. little faith is faith. not pejorative in, in that parable mm. um, and also following the I think feeding of 5,000 from mm -hmm. five loaves right so uh, I'm not sure the littleness is is a problem here. I think little faith might be plenty. You have little faith. Perfect. Why did you doubt then? And I wonder what doubt is. Yeah. I actually, I kind of wonder, like in a way, like you're be, Peter's being walked on the water. Mm-hmm. You know? The path before his feet. Right. And I wonder if doubt here is something more like um, lapsing into uh, self-reliance and independence. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I can walk on water. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. sort of thinking that to himself. I can mm -hmm. walk on water, like, holy bleep. Mm -hmm. 
And, and then he sees the wind. Oh, I don't know if I can walk on water. And it starts to sink. Like, so yeah. it's like, it's, he moves from being walked over the water to thinking that he's walking on water mm-hmm. under his own steam. That's, that's the, the doubt, the sort of contraction into mm-hmm. himself and his own efforts. Or his own specialness or something. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah. I love Peter so much. He always goes for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others are just afraid in the boat, right? So, uh, I think... Peter's to be commended for uh, trusting Jesus every bit as much as he can. Interesting to think too about like moments when we're like we are uh, what far from land and the wind is against us and. Yeah. We think that Jesus is way back there up on the mountain having yeah. some quiet time. You know, unavailable. You know, sorry, mm-hmm. you know. Out of office. Yeah, back back after back at one o'clock after lunch. And like what what does that actually look like in our lives? Like what like what are those moments when uh, we think we're far from the presence of Jesus' loving presence, right? Um, and while we may, terror might not be a, a regular occurrence in our lives, for everybody, it might be. Uh, but ordinary, everyday anxiety and worry about the mortgage payment, about how you're gonna get your car fixed, mm-hmm. whatever your thing is, yeah. like, what what would it mean to um, recognize Jesus walking in to that wavy, windy storm? Like, what would it mean to take heart in the midst of that? trying to get yeah. us to take it actually personally and like mm-hmm. experientially and like treat it phenomenologically like right okay so you're not in a boat <laughs> great <laughs> but maybe but adrift in chaos and afraid at times in your cubicle at work yeah. or whatever uh, so what is it, what does it mean to take heart right mm-hmm
it is a ghost is you know this is sort of like proto resurrection mm-hmm. appearances where where Peter jumping out of the boat to go to Jesus is yeah. also mm-hmm. on the sea we're reading across gospels but that's okay yep um, <laughs> and then the thing just to note I suppose it's, it's only in Matthew's gospel where the disciples worship Jesus it's mm. the most Jewish of all the gospels first century observant temple Jews know that to worship anyone except the living God is death mm-hmm. uh, death dealing hollows you out from the inside and yet they find themselves compelled to worship uh, God in the person of Jesus saying truly you are the, the son of God so it tells us a lot about actually how the whole theological task happens. It starts not with truth. It mm-hmm. starts with beauty. Mm-hmm. It starts with the encounter with the beautiful goodness of the person of Jesus who yeah. comes to us in our trouble and yeah. chaos and says, take heart, it is I. I am. Do not be afraid. And so they worship that. Yeah. <laughs> They find themselves falling down on their faces. And then, like over four centuries, you get the theological formulations that yes. now are the Nicene Creed and all that. But yeah. it starts with dudes, in this case, in a boat, who were scared out of their wits. Yeah. And then experienced that even in the midst of chaos, they could know calm. And they're like, whoa. Yeah. Well, bam, they fall on their face yeah. and worship. This is God. Beautiful. Good. Truly, you are the Son of God. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that it shows you actually, but we, we always do it the exact other way around. Yeah. We don't have the encounter with the beauty and the goodness of mm-hmm. Jesus, which we know through prayer and reading of scripture and serving other people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We do it through, well, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. We start with the ideas about, the ideas about God. Right? Which is not even what truth means. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so don't even go there. But. So really important for the church to do that, right? Like to 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 be a, a place for encounter mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the person of the risen Christ dwelling in our hearts, nearer to us. Mm-hmm. What is it? the word is very near you? Yep. Um, on your lips and in your heart. So. That's what we should facilitate, not giving you better ideas about. Mm-hmm. We will work on that later, right? Sure. Tidy it up. Yeah. If it needs tidying. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I keep hearing this against Exodus. Um, I think Jesus walking in water and the Israelites walking on dry land, uh-huh. both impossible, but I think figuring the same thing of the way through what is impossible, God's presence mm-hmm. uh, coming to us in terror and uh, rescuing us in the sense of being with us there, reaching out to us as we're sinking down, um, which doesn't mean everything gets better, <laughs> but we're not alone. Right. Yeah.
Exodus's liberation, the journey out of slavery into freedom, into the promised land. And I think here that's a journey from the terror of doing it by yourself, of independent self-reliance. To, to trust, um, to being accompanied and held, caught, yes, reached for, walked, walked, <laughs> yeah, But yeah, he's up on the mountain and they're in the middle of the sea. Mm-hmm. These are two things that are about as far apart in the first century mm-hmm. Palestinian imagination as they could be. Heights and depths. Yeah, and yet. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. All right. Until next time. Until next time.